Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. Uh, you know, we often say if you were to take someone from the 1950s into the future in a time machine, everything around them would look different except the workplace because it would be very familiar nine to five with your briefcase. You know, most workplaces haven't evolved. And yet we're in this environment of exponential technologies and exponential change where the world is moving at a faster pace. And often when we talk about uh, flexibility and the need for workplaces to shift, we don't talk enough, I think, about why that's so important. And, and it's twofold. You know, one is the technology piece, which is two impacts. One is the world is moving faster, it's more connected, we all know that. But the other is the impact on roles in the workplace. So in days gone by, in a fairly stable environment where change was slower, your role was, was fairly contained, when automation happened, a role would, would be entirely replaced. So if you robotize in a manufacturing environment, it's one role in, one role out. Joanne is the co-founder of Future Work Studio, which was established to support organizations to adapt to a rapidly changing world. Joanne has considerable experience in leadership, having held P&L accountability for significant businesses in both B2B and FMCG. She was also the CHRO of a $20 billion organization. Having lived and worked in Europe, Southeast Asia, Latin America, Australia, and New Zealand, Joanne brings a global perspective on how to support business leaders to deliver today, but also preparing for tomorrow. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking Nature podcast. Very excited to have Joe with me today. How are you, Joe? I'm great. Thank you. Good morning or good afternoon for you there in the US, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, for our listeners and those who are watching the video of this podcast, Joe is in New Zealand, which means that she is far ahead of my time. And I was asking her offline how the future was looking like. And I was, of, of course, asking her if the future was looking like better in uh, than the past uh, but but it seems that in New Zealand things are doing better than in many other places in the world right yeah we've been uh, very lucky we, we were able to uh, get on top of the COVID situation pretty quickly uh, which has meant we're largely back to normal now no, no community transmission so the economy is getting moving again uh, people are back working uh, so we feel very privileged um, but but certainly aware that we're in a very unusual position so, yeah, yeah yeah well I'm, I'm i'm glad to hear that that things are moving in the right direction in in yes, new zealand yes. and you know one of the things that i know you are very passionate about is redesigning organizations and perhaps one of the uh, one of the 
most important things that COVID-19 has uncovered in the world of business is how the business models are either obsolete or extremely rigid. Therefore, they have little capacity to adapt to changing conditions, especially as dramatic as the changing conditions created by coronavirus. So, so let's just go into, into, into that topic first. Why are these old organizational, organizational models or business models so, um, you know, so stiff, if you will, so rigid? And how can we start changing the conversation and inspiring leaders to acknowledge that while their business models may be making money today, they won't be sustainable in, in the long term? No, no, absolutely. And, and thank you for the chance to talk about one of my favorite topics, which really is how do we start to evolve our businesses? You know, the entire world around us is changing. And yet we tend to run our workplaces like we did 50 years ago. Uh, you know, we often say if you were to take someone from the 1950s into the future in a time machine, everything around them would look different except the workplace because it would be very familiar, nine to five with your briefcase, you know, most workplaces haven't evolved. And yet we're in this environment of exponential technologies and exponential change where the world is moving at a faster pace. And often when we talk about uh, flexibility and the need for workplaces to shift, we don't talk enough, I think, about why that's so important. And, and it's twofold. You know, one is the technology piece, which is, two impacts. One is the world is moving faster, it's more connected, we all know that. But the other is the impact on roles in the workplace. So in days gone by, in a fairly stable environment where change was slower, your role was, was fairly contained. When automation happened, a role would, would be entirely replaced. So if you robotize in a manufacturing environment, it's one role in, one role out. What we now know is that as we introduce AI and other exponential technologies, is it's parts of roles that will be automated or augmented by technology, which creates a whole different opportunity for us, which is unleashing capacity. So someone who's in a role where part of their role is automated may have 20 or 30% of their time now free. And in a very traditional model, you know, you would disestablish that role and exit the person. With exponential thinking, you can start to think about how do you create value? How do you drive a different way of working in the workplace? The other uh, big shift we're seeing, obviously, is generational change and changing expectations and changing societal expectations. So as these things come together, the workplace is just too rigid to adapt quickly enough and, and be responsive and competitive to all these factors that are starting to, to take place. No, that is, that is amazing. And we, of course, we probably run away from, from prescribing one model of operation to all different companies. But I, I, I perhaps would love to, to know what kind of leadership do you envision leading or transforming, not, not even leading, but transforming organizations? What do they have that can help them be inspiring to rally the organization around transformation, but at the same time successful in the transformation process and the outcome of that transformation. So how do, how do those leaders look like? 
It's a great question. It's, I think there are many leadership attributes that, that will remain um, absolutely consistent into the future, but there's probably three that, that I think are really important for this shift, and that's transparency, uh, that's empathy, and, and courage. And transparency, because I think we're now in an era where people need and want to know what's really going on. And the ability and, and the importance of being transparent has never been more critical. And all the more so, you know, with fake news and, and everything in the external environment, all the data that's available, having leaders that are really transparent and, and very open about where the organisation is at and, and where the potential is and, and the excitement. But that needs to be coupled with empathy. So really understanding that the whole world is on a journey and being able to be empathetic at the individual level. Because the thing that makes us stand apart as humans is our ability to connect. And being able to connect at that individual level and then transport that, scale that to actually an organization as a whole is a very unique leadership skill that, that not many leaders uh, naturally have, unfortunately, although increasingly are aware of its importance. And then the third one, I think, is courage. Courage to take risks and make mistakes because we're in the era of experimentation. And, you know, that, that pull to the status quo is so tempting. So leaders that, that can be transparent, that, that can work with empathy, but then can be courageous enough to take a few risks, to experiment, to just try it a little and change it if it doesn't work uh, and not be bound by the way we've always done things. And it's interesting that you that you talk about experimentation and not being neither uh, you know emotionally attached or or mm. in practice attached to the old ways of doing things. Mm. And when you look at the some of the institutes or the organizations that are putting forward all these ideas about the skills for the future, always in the top ten you're gonna find exactly what you say. What you're saying it's uh, you're gonna find empathy. You're going to find courage to make decisions. You're gonna find experimentation, creativity, curiosity, critical thinking, yeah. all of those things that, that mysteriously enough are human by nature. And yes. at some point in our life, we forget, you know, that muscle get, gets weak. And then now we are trying to strengthening, uh, strengthening yeah. again, uh, if you will. So Joe, let me ask you this. What are the characteristics of an organization that is, that is changing, that is, that is being transformed not, not, and I don't want to say just as, as, as a, say we are being transformed for because of coronavirus, but an organization mm -hmm. that has the capacity to being transformed in the face of coronavirus or any other crisis yeah. that may yeah. hit them. So what are the characteristics of an organization like that? Yeah. yeah. Well, as, as you'd expect, probably a lot of the characteristics are, are very similar to those leadership characteristics. But, but then what I'd build on that, in addition to the transparency, uh, you know, in an organization that works with empathy, is resilience. The ability to try, test, learn, and try again. And what we saw very much, you know, in this current era with coronavirus is the organizations that had already started the journey of experimentation, of being willing to take small risks but managed risks, responded and pivoted much more quickly. You know, even at a small level, you know, you look at um, the gyms that went online overnight and offered virtual classes and now have opened up, a, you know, a global audience. And yet another gym, another small business may just have been paralyzed by, you know, what do I do? My entire business model's gone. 
So you see, even within the same industry, that ability to be open-minded, to be transparent, to take, take risks, to be resilient, is critical in terms of being successful. And I think part of that is organizations that are willing to listen. Uh, you know, and we, we're talking a lot at the moment, you know, the, the Black Lives Movement is, is very, um, very visible and there's a lot of conversations about privilege. And I think it's really important, you know, you take that to the biggest step again, it's about that ability of organizations that listen to the diversity that sits within them, because the power and the potential of organizations lies in, in unlocking the potential of the people that sit within them. <laughs> Excuse me. And so, you know, how do how do organizations succeed? They succeed by tapping into the very potential that already exists uh, and then creating a resilient environment to succeed. That is powerful. And, and very often we miss, I have no idea why, but we miss the fact that our organizations are filled up with incredible talent very often talent that goes way beyond what they have to do for work. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if we get 10% of people's real, real talents, I think I'm, I'm, I may be exaggerating just by saying 10% mm -hmm. because, you know, you're, you, you may be, well, the greatest organizational designer in the world, but you may be also a surfer and a mountain yeah. climber and a, yeah. or an artist, right? And all of those skills when you put them together into something that makes sense for the organization, mm -hmm. you can unleash such level of potential and ideas and creativity, yeah. curiosity, experimentation that I, I don't, I can't even fathom what the results yeah. of such unleashing yeah. uh, could absolutely. be like, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we're so tempted often to box people into just what we see on the, on the surface, but you know, the richness of what people can bring to the organization and also the richness of their experiences that so often, you know, we're surprised by. We don't really know what people do outside of work or what they've done before their current role or what they're passionate about. And we know that people, when they're passionate and they're applying their strengths and they're working in that zone, you know, they just engage so much more and you create this energy, this transformation within the organization that takes on its own momentum. And that's the real power, I think, that, you know, if we tap into for the future, how do we, you know, as we face these complex, difficult questions we've never had to face before, ethical dilemmas with data and impacts of technologies and generational shifts and climate change, the only way we can address those is by really unlocking uh, and tapping into that richness. Um, you know, I'm a huge believer that the answer lies in the diversity and, and the inclusion and the belonging that we need to create within all our organizations. And the way to do that is to get organizations moving, you know, give people the chance to experiment, give them the opportunity to try working in a different area, join project teams, run projects, be a part of projects, uh, work across the organization, bring organizations together, you know, so that you're working in a wider forum and you're opening up your mind and your perspective all the time. Yeah, and I, I, I absolutely love that. And I think we, 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 have a, we have a great opportunity to reset the way we were doing things, which like you said before, we have been dragging some, some practices for, for too many years. And this is the right time to say, you know what? I mean, these things are not working. And, mm. and because we don't even know what's going to happen in the next few weeks or few months, the That's best right. thing we can do is just experiment with new ideas and see yes. what sticks, yep. right? 
Yep. I think What's the worst that can happen? You, you change your mind and, and you try it different, you know, experiment small and then continually adjust. And, you yeah. know, there's this powerful pull all the time back to the status quo. It, we're trained as managers often to be very risk adverse and our instinct is to say no. And, you know, one of the, the biggest and, and most empowering things a manager can do is just practice saying yes. You know, when someone wants to try something, say yes, see what happens, give it a go doesn't work change it do something different um but yeah. you know so often we we go back to that risk adversity and and the status quo and and fail to, to unleash the opportunity that's there yeah I, I i like that and i it's a it's a more proactive and open-minded way to face challenges but also to explore opportunities right it is you yeah. know what if yep. What might happen? How may we yeah. do these things instead of no? Or in the case of yeah. HR, well, the policy says that you can't do that, or, or yeah. we, you know, we are not yeah. allowed to do this thing. I think it's it's a there's a sea of a notion of possibility out there that is completely yeah. unexplored. If we, yes. you know, and and we we are at the at the at the right time to to start swimming further into into the into the you know, the yeah. deep, deep ocean of these opportunities. So, so Joe, you know, I, I want to ask you, uh, we, we, we are dragging this, uh, this idea of, you know, Frederick Taylor, uh, scientific management still to, to this day, right? This very mm -hmm. hierarchical organizations yeah. with, with silos and divisions and, and functional, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, groups where information flows extremely slow and therefore kills the opportunity for, for collaboration, but also to be aware of what's going on out there. If you were to share with us perhaps a playbook by which we can start transforming our organizations and those business models and those organizations models, models where, where could we start? What, what could be the right journey? I, and I don't wanna say that it applies for everybody, but somewhat the, the common journey to most successful organizations that have been through this journey before. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think you're right. There isn't a single playbook and that's part of what makes it exciting because every organization will, will have a slightly different approach. But, you know, certainly what I would encourage is that experimentation and that unlocking. So, uh, you know, giving people the opportunity to work in different parts of the organization and experiment a little. Uh, giving people the opportunity to collaborate in teams they wouldn't normally collaborate with and open up their thinking. Um, bringing in diverse voices, you know, bringing in, uh, if you've got a board session, you know, bring in someone that's going to really challenge your thinking and, and, and it may be quite confronting and uncomfortable, but go there, you know, because it's that growth mindset for organisations and individuals that starts to create that shift. You know, we used to talk many years ago, you know, we always talked about the learning organization and very few organizations, I think, ever really got there. But we have a unique opportunity in time right now with so much information and data and insight out there and so many uh, opportunities to experiment, to create, really create learning organizations where we're moving forward and creating momentum. But I think it's about starting simple. I think often as HR practitioners or leaders, we, we get a little bit overwhelmed by, you know, the future of work and, and it feels like a big thing. But actually starting small and just taking a few practical steps like uh, unleashing 
teams to work in different ways, trying a few agile practices, um, you know, and unlocking collaboration, bringing in different voices. Those are all very simple things and very manageable things, but that can actually make a, a huge difference uh, as you move forward. Yeah, I think I, I, I particularly like this idea of unleashing the power of your teams and unlocking, uh, unlocking collaboration. That, it's, it's, it's just so, uh, I, I want to say sometimes heartbreaking that some of the ways for us to explore opportunities, but also to solve complex organizational problems have a no brainer kind of solution or at least process, if you will. I'm not going to say that the solution is simple, but the process to yeah. get to that solution may be simpler that, than we think. And Two of those things is what you're saying here is, is unleashing the power of your teams, is unlocking collaboration. In your career, working with so many organizations, what are the challenges to make this happen? Why, why hasn't it happened at the largest scale possible in organizations? What, what prevents it from happening? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I think a big part of it is mindset. You know, the amazing thing we've seen with COVID, you know, if you'd said, you know, six months ago, uh, you know, the majority of organizations globally will have all of their workforce working from home within a 24 hour period and they'll continue working. No one could have imagined that because it was just, we couldn't open up our minds to that. And yet we did it right around the world. We've, we've done it and we're still doing it. So that mindset shift around just opening up the thinking is so critical. And, you know, there's a lot of things that gets in the way of that mindset. You know, it's the day-to-day, -day, it's the KPIs, it's the way we, we're measured and managed, it's our fear of failure. Um, so it is being able to step back and just, just open up that thinking. And I think that that is hard for managers. I think, too, it's the challenge of how do you create simplicity? Because managers are generally, and, and employees, you know, workforces, are just overwhelmed at times with all the expectations of everything that has to be delivered today. And we don't carve out time to think about how we could deliver things differently tomorrow. You know, it's that sometimes going slow to go fast is really important. You know, take the time away and really think about how things could be structured differently or organized differently or managed differently and, and then give it a go and experiment. Um, but I think for many organizations, they're so caught up in the now and the quarterly performance and the profits that they forget that actually what will make them successful in the long term is these things like collaboration and purpose and unlocking and, and you know, creating that potential within the organization. Uh, I, but I it's not easy. And as HR yeah. practitioners, we have a role, I think, because sometimes, you know, and historically, I look back at my career and say, you know, sometimes we overwhelm the organization with competency wheels and complex models and frameworks. And actually, instead of just making it simple, hey, you know, line leader, here's a great opportunity. Just give that person a chance and see what they can do. You know, focus on their strengths, keep it simple. Um, you know, we need to remove the complexity ourselves. You, you read my mind and because I wanted to go a little bit into that direction. <laughs> Sometimes I, f I feel and I observe, of course, sometimes it's, it's empirical data, but I think we've all observed this, that we have, make, we have made everything so complicated yeah. and we continue to add, it's like, it's like when people are repaving a street, instead of 
you know, sort of scraping it off to put the new pavement or the new concrete. They continue to add layer upon layer of new pavement on the old pavement. So you end up having a mix in there that it's worse than if you had done it from scratch at the beginning. And that's what happens with organizational processes sometimes that we start adding, you know, more complexity upon existing processes instead of thinking, what's not working here? Let's just get rid of whatever is not working. Let's, uh, exactly. It's not about making it better. It's just getting rid of it all together and start from, yeah. with the understanding of what we did before is starting from a place of, all right, we already know what doesn't work. Let's move on yeah. and try to think about what could work. And I, I love this idea of simplicity and I, and I love what you're saying about, you know, let's give people the opportunity to, mm. to see what they're capable of instead of forcing them into the box of these are the competences. This is what you gotta do. Yeah. Your first day is like this, your second day is like that, and the performance is gonna be measured this way or that way. I, I, I love this. I love this concept of yeah. simplicity. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's so important. And, you know, it's that having conversations and connections that are, that are real. You know, I think about the, the talent processes we ran, you know, all through, you know, probably the last sort of 10, 15 years where you spend hours in a room putting people in matrices and boxes and figuring out their performance and their potential. And all that time you could actually be talking to the person and having a real conversation, you know. So I think let's take the conversations out of the boardrooms and the closed doors and actually connect with people in a very real way face-to-face -face and, and invest in them and understanding their strengths and their aspirations and, and what makes them passionate and why they're at work and, and what it means to them. And when you do that, you really unlock with the person, you know, their ability to be their best self. And, and that's what true talent management is about, I, I think. I, I love that. And I, I normally talk about leaders having the capacity to ask people what what they don't like about their job because it's good to understand right if you have yeah. if you're creating yeah. the right the right setup the right environment for mm -hmm. people to come forward and say i know i have to do this but that's not what i like then yeah. you move on to the next question of course which is what do you like to do what are you passionate yeah. about when are you your best self and yeah. we all know that for any job in the world there's going to be most of the times 20 30 percent of your time will be spent in things that you probably yeah. hate and are very yeah. transactional and when not, you still gotta do them. But how can we optimize and perhaps maximize the doing of the things that you love doing and that you're passionate yes. about and that make you be your best self, help you thrive and flourish at work. And yeah. I, I like what you're saying. It's just so, so, again, it is so simple. It is, instead of just putting people in boxes, just go and talk to them. Just go yes. and talk to them. Ask them a couple of yeah. questions and find out more about yeah. them. What makes yep. them tick and, yep. and give them more of that? Absolutely. And, and you know, I think some leaders are, are, are worried that if they open up that conversation, they can't deliver the expectations. But, yeah. but then there's the opportunity to, to have a plan. And that's the exciting thing about technology. You know, we have the ability with technology to automate those really repetitive, uh, low value, boring tasks that people don't enjoy doing to unlock the time for them to actually do really value-adding creative work that's more fulfilling for them, you know, and yeah. is, is better for the organization ultimately. Um, yeah. But we need to start the conversations. We need to have the courage to, to sometimes be uncomfortable and, and know that that's a good thing because we're moving forward. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and in addition to that, actually, one of the things that I know people, people truly understand is that when you communicate with transparency, when you are honest, 
and you are leading with integrity and decency in the workplace, people will understand when you have to tell them no to something. And this yes. goes back to this idea of performance management. I, I worked yeah. in an organization where people were being told you are an average performer, not because they were average performers, but because there was no money to pay them more. And to me, yes. it was ridiculous that we can separate yeah. these conversations and tell Joe, you are freaking awesome. We don't have, yeah. we, we cannot give you yep. a 10% bonus. We're just going to give you 3% this year. But yeah. that doesn't mean you're still awesome, right? And yes. I think that when you do that with transparency and honesty, people, I mean, I'm not saying yep. that they will be 100% happy, but at least they will understand the rationale yes. behind those decisions. That to me is just so important. Yeah. I, I agree. You know, I think, you know, I often use the phrase, you know, treat people like adults and they'll respond like adults. You know, often yeah. we, you know, we, we hide the mess. It comes back to those points, you know, that, that transparency and the empathy and the courage. If you have a difficult conversation with empathy and transparency, then you'll, you'll move forward and actually people will respond because there's nothing worse than feeling like you don't have a voice or you can't contribute or you don't understand why a decision's been made. Yeah, um, you know, in yeah. fact, there's some research that came out just, just recently from, I think it was HBR, that showed that most people would be willing to salary sacrifice up to 20% of their salary for more purpose and meaning. And, you know, I think sometimes we assume that just means, you know, in, in professional or office-based roles, but actually a lot of the uh, research showed that at every level, at every role in every organization, giving people the opportunity to have more voice, more autonomy, more contribution, had a really meaningful impact on, on the ability for people to want to do their work and to feel fulfilled in the workplace with positive benefits as well for the organization. So there's which, just which no downside. Right? Which could only happen if you have the, com the human conversations with them yes. and you truly yes. understand where they're coming from yes. and, and what, what makes them tick, right? Yep. What, what helps yes. with their passion. Absolutely. Because transparency and courage without empathy can be a very, very hurtful conversation, right? It is, Absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's got to be all three. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you dream about your dreamed organization, when you, have, when you go to bed at night and you think, I'm going to dream tonight with the, with the best organization that I can dream of in the world, <laughs> what does that look like? What, what's, I, I'm, I'm a new employee of that organization. I'm, I'm getting into my first day, my journey. What does, what does that organization look like to you? Oh, that's a great question. It, it's an organization um, where you belong and you bring your best self and you feel like you're really leveraging your passion and your strengths. So it's an organization where you can have conversations where you really understand the purpose of the organization and what success looks like and how you contribute to that. And there are no barriers to how you contribute. So when you have a great idea, it gets unlocked. When you want to collaborate with another team because you can see a great outcome, you form the team and you make it happen. Uh, it's an organization where you're constantly learning because you're working with people who also want to constantly learn. And it's an organization that's respectful, uh, you know, that respects you as an individual and respects the organization as a whole. And where you're proud to work, uh, and, you know, where the leaders and, and, and your colleagues, the, the people around you are passionate uh, and strong-minded and have strong voices, and that's okay. In fact, it's more than okay. It's what the organization wants. And, and you achieve amazing things. 
and you know as a result and you know success drives success so you know that's the kind of organization it, it's not always successful because you know hard things happen and, and teams don't always work but it would be an organization where you have those conversations and you problem solve it and you figure out a way forward and everyone has a voice in, in that well that would I'm be an ideal organization i'm going to ask you something <laughs> when you when that organization is created by you please hire me I, I would be, <laughs> I would be thrilled. I would be thrilled to work for that organization. I, I share that dream. I think, to me, it is exactly what you're saying. It is having a place where people thrive and flourish, and yes. for that to happen, yes, they need to be accountable for things they need to do. But to be accountable for something, you need to have a lot of freedom to make that uh, whatever you're accountable for happen. So I, I dream with that kind of organization. So as we wrap up this, this amazing conversation, I, of course, want to uh, end up our chat with the same question that I ask everybody. And that is, what are you the most excited and the most concerned about the future? Yeah. I'm most excited that we have more tools and more opportunities at our fingertips than ever before. You know, you look at technology and what it can achieve and what it can deliver and then you look at the human connection and you look at this move back towards communities i think that's tremendously exciting what i worry about is that we revert to the status quo and we don't we don't do that so we become afraid that you know we look at problems like climate change and instead of tackling them and and working on that together we we become afraid and, and we pull back that that would be my fear but I'm an optimist and I believe in, in human potential and I really believe that, you know, we have everything we need to unlock a really amazing future. We just need to create the communities and, and come together to make that happen. Absolutely. I, I, many of the people that I interview, my, 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 my guest, they share the same concern that we are pulled back by the forces that are trying to keep us in the place where we were before, which we're working for, which was, was working for them, but not working for everybody else. Yes. And, and I share the idea that to solve the very complex but common problems that we have in the world, mm -hmm. we will need to unleash the radical innovation that nobody has seen before. And to be able to do that, we need community. We need global collaboration. Yes. We yes. can't do that alone. We need New Zealand working with, with America, working with African countries, working with my birth country, Venezuela, and you know, everybody working together in the same direction. Because these problems are yes. complex, but they are common. And, yes. Um, yes. So, and we have the answers. We just need to find them together. Absolutely. Well, Joe, thank yes. you so much. This is a fantastic and powerful and inspiring conversation. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR podcast. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.